Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello there, welcome to episode 39 of Broken Records, the search for the worst album ever made. An offshoot, a new solo podcast from us at the Right Act Network. I'm Stephen Hill. I'm joined as ever by Renfrey Deadman. Last week, Renfrey, yes. you said to me, I'm mm. feeling physically sick mm. when we did... Uh, the true symphonic rockestra which thanks mm. everyone for being nice about that episode yeah. it was funny it was a funny time <laughs> yes yes it was a lot of vibrato wasn't it a Slightly lot of vibrato yeah maybe vibrato that was this week maybe that was why i felt sick i'm not sure but um yes i, d- I did like feel i did feel physically ill uh listening to that record yes mm. and you bring it up because I felt more physically ill listening to this one. <laughs> wow. Fucking hell. So we'll get on to that in a second. What I should yeah. say is this podcast is, as I said, our search for the worst album ever made ever. All of the albums that we have on our huge bumper list of records are compiled from their reputation, your suggestion, their critical standing, their fan reaction, or some kind of context surrounding the album, which I am at pains to point out straight away on this episode because this week the 39th record going into our list of broken records is the shags philosophy of the world the debut album from the garage rock family band released originally on the 5th of june 1969 we're going to be talking about that album in a minute before i get right into it I'm kind of chomping at the bit to get into it. I should say, this is probably the maddest thing I've ever had anything to do with in the entirety of covering music, I think. What, what you, you had something to do with the creation of this record, you mean? No, 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 no. no, no that, that, I've had to, that I've had to kind of posit an opinion on a record. I see. I think this. I thought you were be... just making a confession there. I wasn't sure. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Even I think I'm a better drummer than. Uh, but yeah. what I should say is, I'm aware of all the con. What we've done here is, once I started reading up the context on this record, I was like, Renfrey, do you, do you know anything about this record yet? And you said, No, no, I haven't gone into it. And I said to you, Don't. So what you're going to hear, listener, like some of you listening will already be sort of rubbing your hands together and being like i wonder how they're going to tackle this some of you will not be familiar with this record at all some of you might have just gone oh i listened to that i know some of you listen to the album and just have a little listen to it before we do Mm. it to see what Mm. it sort of sounds like Mm. um some of you might have just heard that renfrey is in your position he has only heard the record and pretty much very little else that's right right yeah yeah absolutely a lot of people seem to know this story already and it it seems clear to me that it is a kind of rock and roll um 
myth le- myth sorry legend let's say yeah um it's a rock and roll kind of like like a, one of those almost like the snapper story from from led zeppelin blah 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 you know mm. uh, that's a horrible story but it is one um uh it's but a nicer one than this one in a lot of ways, is but, it oh goodness know, yeah. me okay um well my 36 years on this planet that this has gone over my head i have not heard this at all hadn't heard about the reputation of the shags and yes you have a perverse kind of <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain once we finish a broken record i tend to go oh thank god i don't have to listen to anything fucking awful for a week and you pick something out of the hat full of shit and tend to go straight in on it like immediately yeah. <laughs> after for some yeah. bizarre reason mm. um and as a result of that yeah you 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 kind of did all this research quite early and then and then suggested that i don't look it up at all so which has been quite nice for me because it means that i've uh not had to do any work on this one except um listen to the album which was which you know i'm gonna be honest with you steve was very difficult <laughs> well yeah we're going to get two very very different perspectives on this record yeah, i think yeah. um it, before we do that and we really get into it let's do the flop 20 so we're not going to do all 38 albums that are in there so far this is the 20 worst albums we have so far starting from number 20 and working its way down the enemy streets and sky is number 20 followed by dirty vegas is one razor light razor light viva brothers famous first words lincoln parks one more light the truth is by theory of a dead man slick dogs and ponies by louis the 14th the cosmos rocks by queen and paul rogers the united nations of sound by richard ashcroft the original soundtrack to sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band the movie yog and quig's self-titled debut album six feet under's grave classics volume two blood sweat and towers by the towers of london angelic to the core by Corey feldman little zan's total zanarchy blood on the dance floor with bad blood methods of mayhem by methods of mayhem concerto in true minor by the true symphonic rockestra double wide by uncle cracker and still at number one broken side i'm not a fan but the kids like it but can the shags philosophy of the world top that list hmm maybe maybe so um this record has been named in pretty much every single list that I have ever looked into for the worst album ever. And that, before we pulled it out, as well, I have to say, was my only context and knowledge of that record prior to reading it up on it for this particular podcast. Um, but it's a hell of a fucking story it's a hell of a story and i will ask you for reactions to what i'm about to talk about as we go through it bit by bit renfrey okay but it starts with a gentleman called austin wiggin jr of fremont new hampshire uh austin wiggin jr is a gentleman who is fairly um superstitious uh i mean you know Hmm, obviously unlike luke goss from bros who was told (laughs) by stevie wonder made a conscious effort not to be superstitious uh austin wiggin jr did not do that his mother was a palm reader. She was a sort of mystic oh. Meg-type character. And as a young boy, whilst reading young Austin's palm, his mother told him that he would marry a strawberry blonde bride, which he did. Um, she also said that after she had passed away, he would have two sons, which he also did. And finally, she said he would have a successful musical offspring in the form of his daughters now being superstitious and what with those two first predictions coming true rather than wait for the third part of the prediction to just happen he decided to make it come true himself now now i would suggest to you renfrey first thing to kind of get your thoughts on 
if I told you three predictions about your life and one of them was like, you will have a burger you like, <laughs> you will just miss a bus on Thursday and you will invent a brand new atomic bomb. I And if you then had a burger and missed a bus, I wouldn't expect you to go out and buy some sort of thermonuclear reactor, right? Because the third one is a is a much... Like the first two, you can kind of go, oh, that's weird. That that did kind of happen. Yeah. But they seem sort of likely. The third one is quite the jump, isn't it? So I wouldn't expect on the basis of the first two coming true that you would go, well, that's proof that the, the third one will definitely come. The least likely one will definitely come true. That's an odd thing to do. Well, I certainly wouldn't, but I'm a very cynical person and I'm a particularly cynical person when it comes to this kind of stuff. Not to jump into my private life too much, but my mum actually was massively into this sort of thing. Um, And it was actually something that we used to argue about quite a lot, you know, like genuinely have quite heated arguments about it. And the reason I bring it up is simply because her kind of faith in it was unwavering and i i you know my mum was a really like honestly she was a really intelligent woman but when it came to stuff like this superstitious stuff alternatives to medicines and so on and so forth um she wouldn't listen to um reason she wouldn't listen like her fac her just her faculties just went out the window when it comes to came to that that sort of thing she wanted to believe in to, to nick a fox molder thing um she wanted to believe so badly that she kind of put aside uh things which didn't really work and i think it's been proved time and time again throughout history that people do do that however yes i would not to answer your original question absolutely no i would not go out to try and make an atomic bomb that's insane yeah. it is a bit weird but yeah. not austin wiggin jr no, no, no. <laughs> he decided to pull his three daughters, Dot, Betty and Helen, out of school full time. Oh, no. Because what is the point of going to school when you are destined to be? Uh, you are you are destined to be a band, right? What's the point? What's the point of going to school? Mm. You're not there's no point. There's no point learning maths. You're going to be a rock star. What's the point? I'll take them out of school, despite the fact that they don't, they just listen to the radio a bit. They've never, and they weren't allowed to go to concerts oh, because he didn't believe in them. Or he didn't, he was like, oh, I don't believe in that kind of thing. He doesn't, so they were allowed to, whoa, 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 whoa. he doesn't believe in concerts. Well, he doesn't believe that they're of any value. <laughs> okay. I thought you were saying No, I didn't mean that. <laughs> okay interesting yeah 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 so despite the fact that they had never played any instruments before and didn't show any kind of no ambition to be a band no uh-huh. interest in music particularly he decided to take them out of school full-time bought them instruments and ordered them to spend the entirety of their lives learning how to play said instruments and writing songs right do you know he what age them- they were at this point teenagers teen they were teenagers okay yeah. fuck wow yeah so like wow. i think dot uh who is the vocalist i believe when the band formed she was 18 years old oh shit mate 
So he named them the Shags, oddly. Well, um, yeah, that, like, do you have any explanation for that? Something to do with shaggy dogs, apparently, and the way uh, and haircuts of the time. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't, I, the thing is, I don't know if shag was, or shags, I don't know if it was slang for, you know, sex mm. at, at, that, at that time. So maybe it isn't, I mean, it is unfortunate now but um but i don't know if it would have been at the time or not uh who knows i don't know mm. uh yeah i i don't know either but no. i mean it is just very unfortunate, unfortunate thing <laughs> yeah. that has come up yeah um the girls were not allowed to mix with people from their school or anyone from outside the confines of their family they were never allowed to go and see music as i as i've already said and with the kind of exception of going to church on a Sunday, they basically were stuck indoors playing music the whole I was, time. I was waiting for the religious aspect to come into it. Yeah, and, there we go. And and there it and there it and is. There yes. it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, Austin Wiggin, a man with literally no musical ability, no experience at all within the music industry, and was by all accounts utterly brutal in his regime for the girls rehearsal time they were forced to record in the family basement all day while their father was at work they had to continue for him when he got home after work sometimes they would have to do uh, songs before dinner and sometimes just before they went to bed they would have to do a song um, either that or they would have to do leg lifts and jumping jack exercise routines in front of their father before they were allowed to go to bed austin would make the girls play a song over and over and over until he deemed it perfect he forbid the girls to date until they were 18 and encouraged them not to have any outside friendship groups like i said they attended church every sunday and despite the fact that this is this is you know from the interviews i've read in the aftermath of this you're talking about shy small town girls with literally no interest in being in a band or obtaining any level of fame whatsoever dot has said that he directed we obeyed that was the kind of power dynamic at the heart of this band um now there's a long and kind of studied history of producers and musicians cracking the whip on their charges um mm, there is everything from james brown would infamously fine his band on stage during songs if they missed a note or a beat yeah. gil norton made the foo fighters rhythm section that you know the unrhythmical section i believe that he thought they were called during the color and the shape yeah as, um, as discussed in our classic album on it yeah, yeah, yeah. yep um the endless takes of helter skelter that left ringo star with blisters on his fingers prince working his band to pretty much nervous exhaustion michael jackson and the jackson five and their father and the way that they treated them although yeah. in that case that's somebody who was blessed with an incredibly talented family yes. which is definitely not the case um in, in this scenario and of course you know whatever mad shite phil Spector used to get up to that usually involved <laughs> guns threats and physical intimidation those yeah. are a few of the stories from the world of music but i would say renfrey and this isn't really meant as a joke but it might sound like one this is the closest thing we get to like the fucking joseph fritzel band you know what it's interesting that you i mean i have been thinking fritzel a couple of times um in the manner that you've been speaking um just in terms of sort of you will do this thing until 
uh, until I am happy with you doing it. I, I guess, I mean, uh, so far, it's not exactly the same. No, I'm sort of pausing not. because because I'm going, I hope it's not going to become the same. Uh, yeah. But, oh, God. Okay, cool. Right. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> right. Uh, th- I mean, there is there is a suggestion that Austin was sexually inappropriate to his daughters, which is a rumour that spread around the local community. They were kind of looked at as a kind of freak show of a family even before people had right seen the band or whatever um certain members of the shags have different views on that betty has said that this is not true whereas dot has claimed that their father was sexually intimate with her once that's what she's claimed okay Mm. right okay Mm. So yes, sorry. Continue. It wasn't quite like Joseph Fritzl, but Paul, maybe. I, I, I mean, it's not God, a million miles away. It's you know? not. A, no, no, not a million miles away. Uh, well, uh, no. It's uh, there, there are there are there are echoes of Fritzl. I, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, probably. Um, there's stories of how often sisters would run away from the basement of their home when their father was at work and visit a local lake before heading back and pretending that they had been working and playing all day. Um, like I say, genuine outsiders from the community, their peers and former schoolmates would, by all accounts, throw cans of drinks at them as they walk through the town on their kind of um, rare visits to the outside world. They first played a couple of local shows, one in a retirement home in 1968 and one in their first gig at what became a series of regular Saturday night shows at their local town hall where they were met with total apathy and some outright hostility. Um, locals told austin wiggins that his girls were never going to make it in the music business he didn't listen believing that he was his destiny to have a hit record making family despite all evidence to the contrary um at these gigs he used to walk around with a badge on it that said shag manager oh that's unfortunate (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh Mm. okay right uh Betty has said in in an interview years later, she said, uh, we missed out on a lot. I can't say we didn't have fun, but we missed a social life. We missed out on having friends. We missed everything except our music and our exercises. I just didn't think we were good enough to be playing in concerts and making records. At one point, I thought we would make it, but it wasn't really my fantasy. Her fantasy, she said, is to climb into a car with plenty of gas and just drive. Not to go anywhere in particular, but just go. And that's oh, sad, right, to hear that. Well, that that's like a classic um, example of someone who was in a... I mean, I mean, it sounds obvious to say, but you're in a situation that you don't want to be in and you just want to fucking get out of there. And yeah, I mean, that's a blindingly obvious thing to say now that I've said it out loud. But yes, mm. oh my God, that's, aw- that's awful. Yeah. So Great. after pretty much five years of nonstop practice, the girls were dragged into the studio by their father, who had seen the success of the Beatles... And despite not actually liking the Beatles because he didn't like their haircuts, he didn't see why his daughters couldn't have the same level of success that the Beatles had. What a reason not to like a band. I mean, to be fair, Metallica, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> early adopter of that attitude. Good. Yeah, exactly. God, he would have hated Metallica's load and preload period. Mm. He would have hated Fuel. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he would have hated it. So, yeah... Um, they were taken to Fleetwood Studios in Massachusetts for one single day of recording to record Philosophy of the World, their debut album. Um, the that producers makes, that makes sense. The, it does, yeah. The producers of the record pleaded with Austin not to release the record, claiming that he believed the girls were in no fit state to record an album with the level of ability of the songs they had. But Austin was determined to capture them while they were 
in his words, hot. Um, and pressed ahead all of the same. 1,000 copies of the initial pressing of the record were made. At the recording sessions of the record, um, the album's producers, uh, Austin is actually credited as a producer alongside the studio owners, uh, Terry Adams and Charlie Dreyer. More on Charlie Dreyer in a little bit. Um, but uh, another employee of Fleetwood Studios, Bobby Hearn, has said that the men would often, during the session, close the door of the studio and laugh uncontrollably at what they heard the band recording then occasionally the shags would just stop and when the men asked like why did they stop austin would in all serious note go because they made a mistake which obviously the guys in the studio were like really like the whole you don't think they've made a mistake <clears throat> yeah okay. yeah yeah um after the album was made, uh, Dreyer and Hearn were later tasked with remastering the record at their new studio and hired professional musicians to try and fix the Shags album, but they couldn't do it. They got a professional drummer in who was charged with putting a real beat over the the drums uh, that you hear on this record. By, by, real, by real beat, you mean a beat that is in time, basically. In time, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and we'll go along with the rest with of it. With what? <laughs> Yeah, and he apparently threw his sticks down and just said, I can't do it, and walked out of the session. No, you, you, I think the best drummer in the world would struggle. <laughs> I think Danny it. Carey would struggle with that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, in quite an odd quirk of fate, uh, of the 1,000 copies of the, the album that were made, 900 of those records, and Dreyer himself, vanished. Uh, Dot said that Dreyer left the face of the earth, he took my father's money, gave us one box of albums, and ran. Now, quite where the producer of this record and the owner of the record label that put this album out originally has gone, nobody seems to know. The label that recorded and released the record folded. The warehouse that that stored the record just closed down and he was never heard from again. Apparently, by all accounts, um, people would come into the warehouse and he would just hand them an entire box full of this album. And also, he was being looked for by a bunch of people I don't really know why, but that is kind of, again, part of the mythos of this. The guy who produced it just vanished. Wow. Along with nine-tenths of the copies of this record. Do you have any uh, theories as to why he disappeared with 900 copies of this album? I have no idea. No one seems to know where these 900 copies have gone there's this thing that i was reading i mean i should say david s grop uh who is a long time listener of the show hello mate sent us a very interesting thing um from the a book which i'll kind of be quoting from a fair bit which is um uh, a, a book called songs in the key of Z: the curious universe of outsider music which is by a uh, a music writer called erwin chusid and thank you for sending us that i wasn't allowed to read it steve Schiff. no you weren't allowed to read it yeah, yeah. but um i had been looking for that particular bit um yeah and, and it's uh, it's a really interesting um uh, chapter on the shags and just sounds like an interesting book in in general to be honest yeah. and um there's a little bit of stuff in that about saying what kind of weird guy he was and how you know they thought he might owe, owe people money and he was just he, apparently he's got a shady character no one really mm. knows exactly what it was there's no kind of suggestion as to what it actually was that he was shady about exactly but yeah he appears to have just vanished off the face of the earth and was giving out boxes of this record to whoever happened to just come along. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Um, one of the people that he gave a box to was uh, Harry Palmer, who was a major label executive of the time. And he was one I've of the people... I've heard of that... Harry Palmer, I think. Have you? 
Why have I heard of Harry Palmer? Okay, sorry, carry on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Do you want to Google him while I... Yeah, while yeah, I yeah, I will. This? Just yeah. in case we'll see. But anyway, he's a major level exec, and um, having heard the record, he became oddly obsessed with the band. Even travelling down to see them play one of their local town hall shows, he was very keen to sign them. But... Um, decided against it after the show because he didn't want to be responsible for subjecting the girls to actual ridicule from even more music fans he said to a rather perplexed austin if he would mind having people laughing at his daughters rather than laughing with them and mm. austin was like well, 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 what would you mean laugh at them why why would people be laughing at them mm. and uh he didn't want to be seen as kind of profiting from what he saw as a like a bit of a sort of circus freak show i guess well yes that is exactly what it sounds like uh i've just googled harry palmer and i think i might be thinking of michael kane's character in uh the Epicus <laughs> <laughs> okay fair enough uh, yeah sorry i about don't that. think it's the same guy um so at this point is where we'd usually go into the kind of critical reaction of this record but we can't really do that yet because a this story has so many more twists and turns to take um post the album being released and they weren't no one really reviewed it at the time that i can find um their life was still dominated by their father this is 1969 this record came out and they were still playing saturday night concerts and being forced to clear up the debris after the saturday night, saturday night concerts every weekend up until 1973 so four oh more God. years of playing this music bit by bit by bit the council ordered the shows to be shut down amongst rumors of drug taking and violence their father was furious but the truth is by all accounts the girls themselves were delighted having been burnt out and bored of playing and had started to slightly rebel against their father in some ways helen had actually secretly married her first ever boyfriend and remained living at home for three months after the marriage without Crazy. telling her father she was scared of what he would do when he found out um she got her answer to that when uh, when she told him uh, that she was a bride and he promptly picked up his gun and went out to find her husband and the shags did kind of carry on and never really officially split up but they just sort of ended in 1975 when their father died of a huge heart attack in bed at the age of 47 i guess being um kind of a crazy fucker will do that to you right <laughs> yeah i was i was curious to know what happened to him okay mm. Mm. wow so that day was the day where they were just sort of free and the members of the shags were free to go and live the normal life that they craved as children quitting music immediately settling down getting normal jobs in a normal town having normal relationships and normal families the band never made any money from the original release of the release of the album but in the late 1970s the 100 copies of the record and the album that were floating around started to pick up some underground attention and pieces of radio play. One of the kind of key things, by all accounts, um, was uh, was Frank Zappa. Um, mm. By all accounts, Frank Zappa uh, played some of the Shag songs on a, a radio show by Dr. Demento, um, saying that he loved it and um he said that they should play the next presidential uh, inauguration um <laughs> and sort of bit by bit tapes of the of the, the the album started to gain more traction more kind of notoriety and played on some sort of underground radio stations uh which led to the album being 
picked up and re-released by Red Rooster Records in 1980. Now at this point, this is where we have two differing ideas of what the shags in this album are. Kurt Cobain has said that this album is in his top five albums ever made. Frank Zappa, as I said, one of his favourite bands, should play the next presidential inauguration. Um, the famed music critic Lester Bang claimed that they were better than the Beatles. And Wilco frontman Jeff Tweedy, who later booked the band's reunion show in 2017 at the Solid Sound Festival, which he was curating, said that hearing the band was like discovering a strange new kind of tree. You can tell it's a tree, but it's not like any other tree that you've ever known. Um there's also that, that's not necessarily little... a positive though is it <laughs> well yeah um there's also a suggestion to add to a little bit more intrigue to this story as well there is a suggestion that this is all just some kind of ruse and that far from being the result of a collective of accidentally naive rec- naively recorded songs the band were actually capable of playing rather well but just stylistically chose not to um a lot of this is mainly due to the 1982 release of shag's own thing which is a bunch of unreleased tracks from a 1975 recording session which i have listened to and are considerably more professional than what you would hear on philosophy of the world but, but the six, six years, years between the six, six years, years between of extra practice yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. really see um I don't really see that there's any kind of truth in that to be honest. We've seen we've seen bands are not not in terms of the ability of their playing as much although band you know especially when you start out the, the difference between a guitar player you know after one month and after one year is is extraordinary you know if if they actually keep at it and if they actually practice you know an hour a day or whatever it's it's you can you can get pretty good pretty quickly so yeah no i don't i don't i don't think that's proof at all i do I i do wonder i mean it does feel as if elements of this story have been embellished potentially but that's almost why it's endured as a story i guess as well isn't it you know it's gone into some sort of rock and roll folklore and and Mm. a lot of those stories you know robin hood was a real person but the but (laughs) so much of the actual history of robin hood has been uh exaggerated massively to the point that the robin hood that we think of these days was probably nothing like the actual robin hood at all you know he, he certainly wouldn't <laughs> he wouldn't have gone around. <laughs> not in that weather. Not, they're not living the forest. Yeah, he wouldn't have tight. sang song musicals uh, about wearing tights. <laughs> We're men, manly no, men. I doubt that. Yeah. Uh, yes, etc., etc. Et so I guess you know we should go for some of the reviews. Uh, there are a few. Rolling Stone has called it the most stunningly awful record I've heard in ages. The perfect mental purgative for doldrums of any kind, like a lobotomized trap family singers, the shags warble earnest greeting card lyrics in happy, hapless quasi-union along Austin ostensible lines of melody while strumming their tinny guitars like someone worrying a zipper. The drummer pounds gamely to the, to- the call of a different muse as if she had to guess which song they were playing and missed every time. Another Rolling Stone article has said that without exaggeration, it may stand as the worst album ever recorded. The New York Times called it the worst album ever made. The New Yorker called it hauntingly bad, <laughs> but it was released in 2016. Yeah, it, was, it was re-released, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re-released, yeah. So it was re-released in 2016 and currently has a score, unbelievably, of 86 out of 100 I on know. Metacritic. Pitchfork. 
Pitchfork, which gave Lateralis <laughs> 2, gave it 8.6 out of 10 and said, even if you took a few years and learned all of the chords, you still have li- a limited number of options. Half Japanese guitarist David Fair wrote, writes in his brief manifesto, How to Play Guitar. If you ignore the chords, your options are infinite and you can master guitar playing in one day. Even though they barely learned any chords, it seems safe to say that even after countless hours of practice, the Shags never mastered their instruments. But the essence of philosophy in the world lies within Fair's words that technical limitations can equal musical freedom. The guitars follow the warbling vocals note for note and since uh, each accented word receives its own unique pitch, the plucking is acrobatic and difficult to follow. Rarely is there a moment on philosophy in the world that feels cohesive. Yet even though each sinister mo- each sister moves at her own tempo, somehow the structure never falls apart. There's something intriguing about the noises the shags create and the way they become catchy. Chaos is negated in the same way that after enough contemplation, the violent splatters of a Jackson Pollock painting become calming. Mojo gave it three out of five, stating that the shags couldn't play they could barely sing their songs are rudimentary but you won't hear many records with such heartfelt authenticity of feeling uncut gave it nine out of ten saying yes it's largely tuneless the guitars and drums are about as coordinated as a set of blindfolded square dancers but the sisters naive approach yields endless wonders record collector gave it four out of five saying the sturdy record collector rating system broke under the strain for how does one rate an album that is both a one star and a five star item at the same time the legendary private pressing originally disappeared without a pr- without a trace and a couple of minutes of the ham-fisted playing and discordant vocals is enough to explain why don't believe anyone who says they meant to sound like that even they say they didn't on the other hand a dedicated army has eulogized the record since its first reissue in 1980 and rightly so the cloistered and unwilling girl's father's attempt to get them to do a herman hermits left them more in line with the enjoyable sloppy garage rock in fact they went so far out as to prefigure post-punk's plagency and jittery inclusivity they were essentially the raincoats a decade ahead of their time pop matters gave it eight out of ten saying depending on your perspective the shag's philosophy of the world either represents the very ideal of creative expression and naivete in its purest form or an unlistenable mess of an album lionized by the underground cognizenti notably held by frank zappa and kurt cobain and at the expense of performers and while there are certainly valid points for each side each either side it's nonetheless one of the more fascinating albums to come from a decade that changed the face of popular music blender ranked it at number 100 in its list of the 100 best indie albums of all time in 2007. In 2010, the NME named it at number 40 in their list of the 100 greatest albums you've never heard. And in 2016, Rolling Stone placed it at number 17 on its list of the 40 greatest ever one-album wonders. That is a lot of information. But we finally reached the point, Rimfrey, where we have to talk about this record. What do you think about the shags philosophy of the world um it feels like it's the biggest in joke in the entire music industry i think (laughs) i think i mean i can't believe like honestly for a single millisecond that any of those um platitudes any of those lists that it's ended up on it's kind of like saying the Threaten album is amazing. You do it, in, you know, you say it in an ironic way. Um, I don't know as much about Frank Zappa's humour as I know about Kurt Cobain's humour. I've read, I think I've read more books on Kurt Cobain than I have any other um, musician. 
probably in my life because I find the whole Kurt Cobain thing, I find the whole story fascinating. He was the first, he was the first famous person that I knew of to die mm. who had an effect on me. And I think as a result of that, I've read fucking shit loads of stuff about Kurt Cobain. And he had, he had he, his sense of humor to put the shags in as one of his top five records of all time especially to press and press that he probably didn't like and would sneer at that was exactly Kurt Cobain's sense of humor um and I think that all these other plaudits and stuff that that's just what they're doing and that actually makes me feel ever so slightly uneasy after hearing um what happened to these girls because it's actually a very 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 cruel story indeed and you know whilst i was listening to this album without the context of it i was in constant my jaw was just constantly agape for the entire 31 minutes of this record and over and over and over again i was just completely bowled over that you know recording in 1969 was expensive i was absolutely amazed that someone had gone to the trouble of recording this in 1969 i was just staggered i was staggered by the fact that at the time of this recording the shags continued to have 23,896 monthly listens on Spotify. To put that in perspective, Backwash is 28,000. <laughs> you know, like it's 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 like this is an incredible story that has continued to amaze people and perpetuate people and confuse people. And it has done in in far, you know, in in like the threatened story to take a, a modern example of that threatened only has 615 monthly listens on spotify so the fact that this story continues to the point where the shags were listened to 24,000 times in, in the last month on spotify i think that is amazing and the story is incredible i'm absolutely certain that elements of it are untrue but it doesn't make it a bad story but the record itself i mean i do feel i understand the hesitation to kind of say oh, it's one of the worst records ever, blah, 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 because the three people at the centre of it were effectively innocent uh, people who were victims. The one thing I would say about that is I almost feel like it's even more reason to put it up high because, because of what their father did to them. And almost as an example of kind of this, like, believing in total fairy tales believing in total fucking nonsense i think there's more danger in people who actually believe in that kind of thing and i say this as someone whose mum whose mother was really stridently believed in a lot of that shit you know i think there's far more danger to that and i almost kind of feel like it should be up high as an example because because the record the music let's just take the music for a moment the music is objectively fucking awful 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely it's 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 hideously out of tune throughout. They're out of time with each other more often than they are in time with each other. The singer, I think the singer's Dot. Is the singer Dot? Yeah. Bless her cotton yeah. socks. She cannot sing. I, I, I mean, I, it's it's the only chord that is in time or in tune on the very first song, which I think is the title track, Philosophy of the World, Yeah, is the very last chord of the song. <laughs> Literally, it takes them literally two minutes and 51 seconds to play anything that is in time with each other or or that could be seen as correct. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that, you know, that begs the question, what is correct and what is incorrect in music? But there are things that sound good and there are things that sound bad. And this sounds bad. Like it is it is really bad. And knowing the story behind it, like my heart absolutely goes out to them. But at the same time, it depends what we're trying to do with it. Like, this is a difficult one in terms of like placing it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's because really it's yeah, because yeah. do, do really you difficult. put it up really, really high? Is that then an insult to these three women? I think I think, you know, wherever we I think wherever we place it, I think we need to sort of place it with the with the um, idea and the knowledge and, and, and to, with the caveat, I should say, of saying none of this um negativity that we're going to talk about with this record is aimed in particular at these three women yes they cannot you know from this record sounds like they got better you know as you would but from this record mm-hmm. at this point in time they could not play they could that, that that is a fact like regardless of whether of how poorly treated they were being or anything like that they could not play their instruments definitely not i mean you know immediately you are struck by how much of a disconnected racket mm. this is. The kind of lack of cohesion, the drums doing their own thing, the guitar just not really doing anything, the vocal lines not really being able to mm. be kept together. The next time um, I hear someone, and then, if I'm listening to Dillinger Escape Plan, the next time someone says to me, this is just noise, I'm going to stop Dillinger Escape Plan, and I'm going to put this on and say, no, this is just noise. I think, I mm. think it actually does. I mean, objectively prove to to those to those people who would think that something like Dillinger or whatever is noise it proves that no there is something going on there you know like it's under I mean we know that we we already know that but I think this would be the proof that no this is like these people are keeping together it, it like they're in time with themselves at the very least and there is a connection there and and this is proof that these three people weren't at that time at the time that this was recorded yeah i mean all of that stuff is is true uh bizarrely odd weird thing mm. to listen to but do you want to hear the case for the defense of i'm record? fascinated by the case for the defense really am lyrically this kind of beautifully naively idealistic lyrical strand to all of this this is you know Oh, the rich people want what the poor people's got. The poor people want what the rich people's got. The skinny people want what the fat people's got. And the fat people's want what the skinny people's got. You can never please anybody in (laughs) this world. Right? And I think, you know, like, that is the kind of thing that... There's a thing I follow on Twitter, right, called... um, I forgot what it's called. Kids Tell Jokes. And it's like kids will make up jokes. And they're really funny 
because yes, they don't yes, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be like, you know, what did the penguin say to the alligator? Um, don't eat my yeah, poo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah, yeah. Sort of go like, what doesn't make any sense? But yes. it makes you laugh. That, that, that lyric that you something... just read out, I actually wrote it down in my notes because it made me laugh. Yeah. But it made me laugh because it was yeah. so terrible. Not because, not 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 because I think <laughs> yeah. there's anything profound about it or anything like that. It, it, like it's awful. No, but 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 we. I mean, but the thing is, is that here, here's here's the thing, right? I, I think there's yeah, there's that. But there's, I mean, something like it's Halloween is proper hilarious. Why even Dracula <laughs> yeah, will be yeah. there? Boom, and then away they go. I I <laughs> burst out like, laughing during that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be real here. This kind of all, it pretty much all sounds exactly the same. It's been called the kind of genesis of outsider music. Birth of, you know, Daniel, Daniel Johnson's like a fairly... I can see the through line to something like Daniel Johnson. I actually quite like Daniel Johnson. Like, I wouldn't sit down very often and listen to Daniel Johnson, right? I think it's quite... You have to really be in the mood for that kind of thing. But again, we spoke when we reviewed Idols on the main show. We spoke about the kind of... And we said before, like the kind of the discharge haiku, the kind of bluntness of just being like, this is the thing yeah. that this is. And there's times in this where i feel having known the story and with the context where i look at it and i go i think you've actually i i don't think you could have done any more with what you were charged with doing you are young kids who not only are you not musicians you're not even really interested in music and when people call this outsider art i mean i read a piece i think it might have been the pitchfork piece when it said to call this outsider art is not fair because they didn't want to be outsiders that is to negate the trauma that this record came through came from this album is kind of the sound of of trying to please someone like who are parents a genuinely odd bizarre thing to listen to about how you should obey and listen to your parents and have they have what's Mm. best for you in life but it's so disconnected and weird it's literally the sound of a group of young people being pushed into saying something it's a kind of brainwashing in musical form in a lot of ways and this to me but i think that makes it horrific it it does yeah in a lot of ways it's very very unsettling but it's the sound of it's it's you know it's it's fight or flight it's a sound of survival in a lot of ways do you know what i mean i think one of the things that hasn't been picked that i don't feel like it got picked up on that much is the fact that you know you you're forced into doing this thing that you're not capable of doing if i was suddenly forced into i don't know swimming the channel i'd fucking drown yeah you know i would yeah, fucking drown yeah. and this is the sound of people trying not to drown and and that makes it like quite traumatic but at the same time i don't know there's something like all that stuff talking about the authenticity of this they didn't even know what music was Do you know what yeah. I mean? it's like aliens coming down and they don't know what music is and it's like you handing them a, a drum kit and going make some music and we'll give you a you just it's noise it's kind of noises and on that level you are like yeah the, the, the there's there's something that when when we when we i went back to um when we did the um the enemy streets in the sky there's a review of streets in the sky by the enemy and this is why i think actually it should be kind of that high up in the rankings because there's a review in the enemy that says music to these people are is muscle memory right it's if you do that thing and you do that thing and you do that thing then you will create quote unquote art you will create quote unquote good music right and that is true that that attitude is totally the antithesis of genuine artistic creativity of genuine expression Mm. 
And there's none of that on this. There's none of that. Like, this is legitimately the thing that came out of them. Like, legitimately the thing that came out of them. Yes, they can't play. Yes, they don't know what they're doing. But, I mean, I, I kind of, although I don't like, I don't really want to listen to this record, I can't really be kind of angry at it or be like, ugh, about it because... You know, shit like, I mean, again, you know, as, as I said, the, the kind of the idol's haiku of just being really blunt. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter who you see. There will always be someone who disagrees. We do our best. We try to please, but we're like the rest. We are never at ease. I mean, that's like teenage girls who didn't know, who weren't kind of told what they should or shouldn't write. And you read that and you go, that's kind of, it's sort of heartbreaking and sad. And it does kind of cut right to the the the, the heart of their, of the way they felt at that point. And I don't know, kind of knowing everything I know, I don't feel real antagonism or it's, I, I think it's hard to be angry at an album with this little amount of cynicism. I mean, there's a lot of albums that we've done like Eogan. We said, I, I remember saying with Eogan, it's like, this is nearly child abuse because of the way that, but, but he went on X Factor and he knew what he was doing and the people around him were cynical. Do you know what I mean? The whole record label business thing was cynical and even their dad's, was not cynical he believed it was his fate do you know what i mean he actually thought that this thing was going to be what he had to do and it's are you trying to argue that this isn't child abuse abuse because i would strongly disagree no 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 i'm not saying that i'm just saying it's not it it's unwitting child abuse it's it's from a it's from a kind of like eogan entered into that and at this point the music industry had been established where it's like we know exactly what we're going to do to exploit this person austin wiggins is a weird fucking guy and it clearly should not have been doing what he's done with his daughters that shouldn't have happened allegedly had sex with one of his well, he allegedly had fucking sex with one of them like he is clearly a fucking crazy person but for the girls themselves there's no cynicism here this is like i mean they're really doing their best you know they're really, really doing their best, and they've and they're, they're they're totally out of their depth, but they're really, really doing their best. And there are a lot of albums on this list where there are people with genuine talent who are too lazy or too cynical or too self-important or whatever to even kind of try and do their best. I understand what you're saying, but I can't. What I can't get behind with what you're saying is not feeling antagonistic towards this record um i actually do feel antagonistic towards it but the distinction that i would make is i do not feel antagonistic towards the three people that we hear on the album it's the people behind it and actually if you recall with iogan we weren't antagonistic towards iogan no. we were ant- antagonistic to the people behind it mm. and i think for that reason alone this should be like above iogan i think this has obviously been perpetuated as a joke. And I don't mean to be, you know, I mean, I, I realise I'm sort of coming in here and just like the equivalent of someone at 2am who comes into a party and goes, right, stop the music, I'm calling the police and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, if something like this happened today and it was revealed what happened, people wouldn't be laughing and joking about it because it's, it's, it is full on fucking child abuse. Like, you made comparisons with Fritzl before, and I don't think you can say it's exactly the same thing, but 
there are certainly there are certainly comparisons to be made you know yeah when i say i'm not antagonistic towards this i can't feel antagonistic towards this record and i don't feel antagonistic to the girls that's what i mean i feel like this album has is 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 eerie sounding and like i say it's the sound of survival like eorgan is not the sound of somebody surviving no that's true that eorgan did not write those songs and even though we weren't shitty to him like these people wrote these songs out of like legitimate necessity to for their life to be all right because if they hadn't have done then they would have felt the wrath of their father and i think what you and you can kind of hear like it's a i think that listening to it you're like i kind of just go oh fucking bless you like bless you for like you for like really putting everything into you know trying to make your dad's bizarre behavior do you know what i mean like you you've actually they haven't just sort of phoned it in i feel the total opposite it, i can hear the desperation in it yeah me too and 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 like for that reason alone I, i'm not being facetious when i say this i think this album is more disturbing than a lot of black metal or something like that and when i said before you know it made me physically sick listening to this record it was partly the fact that it was all out of time and all over the place and it was just objectively awful music and i'm mm. sorry but it is i mean it just it just is yeah i mean look i don't really want to listen to this ever again i've got to be no honest. no but i didn't know the story to this album but a lot of what i'm and i'm not trying to pretend at all that i could guess what happened in this but i think what i would say is i'm not surprised that there was some figure above them pulling the strings and because there was a darkness to this album um which churned my fucking stomach and it was something in the desperation of it and you can call that you can you know you can argue oh that's artistic blah 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 i i don't think it's artistic i think it's abuse and i think it's abuse that has been recorded and then has been made a joke for decades and decades and decades and i think that's fucking awful i think there are people who genuinely do like the record because they like the yeah. they, they like the the thing is that people like the naivety and the purity of the expression of what this album is like this you know whatever you think like i say whatever you think about this record there is no level of music industry cynicism about it i mean they are they've been called the kind of godmothers of outsider art and again i think that is too kind of negate the trauma that that came out of this the making of this record but at the exactly. same time i do look at them and i you know like there is something really quite i mean the sort of they don't feel it which is what's weird about it is like the affirmation that they've got i mean actually before we rank it let's let's go into a bit of the aftermath which mm. we sort of done but like i say um the band did a couple of reunion shows firstly in 1999 on the 30th anniversary of the album with just dot and betty then again in 2017 as i mentioned at the um at the 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 festival that they were booked by wilco but it's clear from an article that i've been sort of quoting from a fair bit from um the new yorker in 1999 that they they never really wanted to be in music they don't appear even at that point you know t- 30 years on to have had any real interest in music and when i was reading about their lives and their story and even though this was you know now that that's 20 years ago um this 
this piece. Um, they don't have much money. They don't have great. They didn't have great jobs. Uh, one of them couldn't work because their mental health was too bad. Betty was widowed in 1983 when her husband died in a motorbike accident. Um, in 2012, Dot Wigan formed a band that played some of the Shag songs and some of their unrecorded stuff. Um, they actually went on she tour. Re-rec- she re-recorded um, a song we haven't mentioned, actually, My Pal Foot Foot, didn't oh, she? Oh, yes, we would. We should really mention that, My Pal Foot Foot. We should probably talk about My Pal That Foot Foot. is a proper fucking jazz, like, <laughs> weird jazz experimental solo in Freak Out. I-, I have no fucking idea what that is. <laughs> sort of. It starts... It starts with a drum solo, and I say drum solo in the loosest sense of the word. Um, the Chicago Tribune described it as sounding like the kit's components are being dropped one at a time down a flight of stairs. And yes, that is exactly what it sounds like. Um, but the song's legacy has lived on well into the 21st century, and Dot Wiggin would go on to record an updated version of My Pal Foot Foot titled Your Best Friend, which appears on a 2013 solo album with the Dot Wiggin band. I have not heard that version no, me neither. but the original is truly painful it's a very um, foot... very just an odd thing and it's about yeah uh about a cat it's about a cat mm. yeah called foot foot yeah <laughs> uh, sweet again you know what's it's a, it's just a really sweet sentiment you write a song about like, i would write a song about a cat if i was in a band i would it, want to write a song about a cat as well but my, i probably feel yeah. yeah but i i would probably feel too self-conscious to do that and that's kind of part of that i'm like yeah yeah well fair play to him like i'd want to write a song about a cat but i'd be like oh you can't I, write a song about a cat I think I think the sort of naivety and stuff of it, though, kind of makes me feel even sicker, though, sicker, more sick, because because of what you said before about them being a family who were cloistered away. They weren't allowed to go out. And it feels like, you know, they weren't allowed to grow up by the sounds Mm. of it. Um, And you just said that that one of the sisters couldn't work for mental health reasons. Well, no fucking shit if they had the lifestyle that they had like i mean i don't see any other way that you can really um point to this as anything other than child abuse and i'm not trying to like i'm not trying to cast um aspersions on frank zappa or kurt cobain or any of the journalists who you know did all this stuff for a laugh like we are more aware of mental health issues and so on and so forth now than we were then but I think there is a point where you have to go, yeah, we should probably stop looking at this as a joke and seeing it for what it actually is. Um, do you think those people would argue? I mean, you are making the assumption that they are looking at it as a joke. Do you, are you certain? That, because people are like, no, 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 no. Like, we've had people tweeting us going, this album is really, like, it's really unique and fucking. Fa-. And, and I've tried to sort of look at that and. And people, you know, there have been people who've tweeted this going, oh, I think this is a really affecting and, you know, really, like, beautifully naive and kind of wonderfully pure expression of music from people who don't really know what music is. Like, music, it's art in its truest form. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's art and it's in, it totally untouched by the music industry and the confines of what the music industry is meant to be. That whole thing, like I just said about the enemy and it being muscle memory, like you don't want music to be muscle memory and this is not that. This mm. is three people who are related and who just picked up instruments and went, we'll, we'll make a noisy drum solo song about a cat. And <laughs> like, and isn't there something kind of, there's something that would, that could be charming about that I think, were it not for the fact that, that they were doing it with a fucking gun to their head, essentially. 
Uh, well, well, that's the big. Yeah, if. that is the that, big. If. That's yeah. the problem, isn't it? Um, I understand that argument, but I don't buy it. Is is my simple answer to that? I I understand where the argument is coming from. I understand where the rhetoric is coming from, but I just, I just don't believe that's true. And as I just said, there, there's a massive but at the end of that, isn't there? And. I think you need to conveniently ignore that but in order to make that argument have any worth whatsoever. And that is a hell of a convenient thing to, to you know, that's a hell of a thing to ignore. Mm. Um, just, to, just to sort of finish up on, on, on this, like I say, they open for Neutral Milk Hotel, which feels like quite a good fit for them, to be fair. Um, <laughs> Actually, I can see that. That, yeah. that does, and I like, and I like that neutral milk hotel. But I can see that actually. Yeah, mm. um, the 2017 reunion is like to be likely to be the last time there's any version of the Shags live. Helen died prior to the show in 2006. Dot was um, about to undertake a, sur- a series of surgeries and was intending to look after her handicapped rescue dogs full time. Oh, and Betty lovely. said she had no interest in performing again. And throughout all of this, the band themselves, all of the sisters, appear to have really no idea why people are so inspired and interested and fond of the music they themselves have made they don't they themselves don't understand it they have could always you trace gone, that back could you trace that back to their sheltered life as children you pro- i reckon you could i think you probably could and they you know they've always said like we were embarrassed by it and again this whole thing about kind of outsider music i think when you listen to someone like daniel johnson he daniel johnson had some kind of mental health problem didn't he and um he had no idea that his music was weird he had yeah. no idea where i think when the shags were making their music they probably had no idea that their music was weird they just were doing what came really really naturally to them i do think that thing that kind of the purity of expression is there i think later on in life they probably were like oh we're not really feeling this and we're not and we don't feel like they were that, we're that good and they probably never really did feel like they were that good, really. They never thought it was going to be a thing or whatever. Mm. You know, and, and they're kind of, they're kind of, in, I, I feel like they, there's a long time when they were kind of embarrassed by it. And they're kind of like, well, this, this isn't, this isn't good. Even them, even they themselves are like, this isn't yeah. good. I think they, I think they probably would have come to realise that as time had gone on. But if you have an overpowering father figure telling you that you are going to be the best constantly and he is you are in a sort of state of arrested development you know when you're when you're a young child and your mother and your father are just fucking everything to you you know they are they're they're gods like you have a question you ask your mum or dad and you it's unfeasible that they won't have the answer they just know everything they are absolutely everything to you it feels like because of the way that they were mollycoddled they continue to have that kind of relationship with their father into their teens, which mm. is child abuse, uh, as I keep saying. And um, I don't know. I don't think that's something like it's an insane story. And I'm certainly not saying we shouldn't talk about the story or anything like that. I think we should talk about stories like this. But uh, I don't think it's I mean, when it comes to the purity of what they were expressing. Yeah it was probably fairly pure and it was probably coming from a fairly naive place and, and all that sort of thing. But that in and of itself does not make it good. And this is unequivocal proof of that. 
Yeah, I think it's a it's a difficult one when we come where where we kind of come to rank it, which is what I think we should do now. Nobody nobody can argue, even if you like this record, right? Even if you enjoy it, even if you find some kind of you know, like the bloke in American Beauty who's recording the bag flying, spinning around in the in the wind and saying it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. Some people do think <laughs> yeah. that. I know it's like people go, I'm really three percentious. Some people do feel like that. Do you know what I mean? Some people do find that kind of beauty in the odd and the mundanity and the kind of, do you know what I yeah. mean? Some people do find that. And I, I don't, I, I am not saying, if, you, if you've been one of those people who's tweeted us and gone, oh, I really like this record. I'm not saying you're a liar and that you you actually are just saying it because you're pretending to like it or whatever i'm sure one could enjoy this record i'm sure one could i personally find it fascinating traumatic and i don't know i don't I, i feel like the aftermath should give it some kind of redemptive arc but I don't feel strongly enough about it to really feel like it got the kind of redemptive arc that I thought it kind of deserved. It sort of. I was going to ask you, like, what what is the redemptive arc? I mean, I well, guess okay, I guess they 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 did like reform a couple of times. They did a play play a few more shows, probably because they were being bugged so much about it over the years that they finally went, oh fucking fine, we'll do it. Or they got chucked so much money. Um, because this became such a curio but there's, but there's 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 a bit in the book in the songs in the key of Z, uh where i think it's dot is it dot it's one of them anyway it's, it's not it's been a long time since that book came out so i don't know if it's still true now okay. but uh in the, one of the interviews she's asked has anyone ever asked for your autograph and she said no only one person's ever asked for her autograph it's someone in a bank a blank clerk was like oh my god i've got your album and can i bring it in for you to sign and she said yes and then that person just you never saw him again so Mm. they've not become celebrities or you know famous or that you know they've become i mean that's probably a good thing that's probably good they didn't want to do they didn't want to be that but they've become respected from i don't know they've they've probably become respected from people who i don't know do they care about kurt cobain do they care about frank zappa do they care about pitchfork i very much doubt it no, I doubt they do. I mean, I couldn't imagine they give a fuck. And again, like, that is something where I go, well, I kind of admire that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I kind of admire the fact that you still don't give a fuck. You still don't care. You don't want to do this. This is a mu- This is an album made by people <laughs> who aren't interested in music. And I think... Doesn't make it good. Gigi Allen no, wasn't interested in music. No, He's no, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't feel... I feel like I like them. Do you know what I mean? I, oh, God. Yeah, I, I'd love. I'd love to. I want to give them a hug mm. and be like, "Are you okay?" And 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 I, you know, I said earlier in this, like, I think when we come to rank it, wherever it goes, we should do it with the caveat that this is not us being nasty towards the players on this record, just as we weren't being vitriolic towards Eog and Quig. You know, Eoghan, I mean, Eoghan's currently at number 10, but when we initially ranked him, he was number three, I think. It was, he was pretty two. damn high up. Number two. There we go. Um, and, you know, I, <laughs> uh, there are many similarities with this, except there's more child abuse involved. It's true. That is that is true. And, and you know, and this is... They're, they're, they're the different sides of the bad music coin. I mean, this... You know, again, if you like listening to this record, that's fine. I 
will never listen to this again. I'd rather listen to Yogg and Quig than this. Yogg's quite an easy listener, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's well, that's a... what, that's why this yeah. this made me feel sick. And actually, knowing the story now, I don't want to listen to this because those sort of suspicions that I had that there's something awry here, I now know that for a fact there's something awry here, and that's going to make me feel even more physically sick. It's like a snuff movie. I mean, it's not exactly like a snuff. That's that okay. That's ever so slightly OTT, but it's like a. It's a sad story. It's an incredibly sad story, and and all this thing about oh, but it's genuine emotion, all that stuff. Yeah, it's genuine, like horrible emotion coming from a like a, a really nasty place. Not from the girls themselves. Nasty's not right. From a naive place. I don't know. It it's, makes me massively uncomfortable, but not in a good way. Not in the way that I'm uncomfortable listening to a Swans record or something like that. I think, and I think the difference between. If you choose to put your own pain on record, that is up to you. And if you choose to express that, and if you choose to um, open yourself up on a record, then that is up to the artist in question. If you are doing that, I mean, uh, they're not they're not expressing their pain. But if no, you're I was say, this being is... forced to do that, at, 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 that 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 makes me feel really incredibly uneasy and. I, but I, I think I, that's sick. I, okay, yeah, okay, but do you know what? Here's another thing, right? It, the blues is where the blues come from. When kind of like when we talk about Zelenada and stuff, and we go, "Oh, where that music comes from?" They made beautiful music out from incredibly, you know, the kind of slave gang, slave chant music. Be, you know, really, really beautiful music coming from genuine, like a place where they were it was it was sort of genuine pain and i think they, they chose to sing those songs to liven up their mood on on the chain gangs they weren't being forced to sing those songs and then someone came along and said hey this is really good can i record it and they're like yeah sure absolutely and they recorded it and <laughs> yeah. that that's what happened that's true that, but, th- that this is not the same thing no, i'm not saying it's the same thing i'm saying that there's uh there's parallels to people going we're gonna make music you know we have to make music and they could have made you know like they yeah i don't know it's really hard to know i just think it's really hard to know because it is i know what you mean there's an underlying thing like because the people say oh it's a really lovely sweet album it's a really lovely naive sweet blah 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 album and i'm like yeah on the surface i feel like it is do you know what I mean? Like on the surface, you look oh, at something like, like Halloween. surface level. Oh, and yeah. it's about Halloween. It's about, hey, you can't please anyone all the time. And you go, oh, that's really nice. Like those, oh, you know, I used to have a, a stepson and he'd say that when he was like eight and nine and stuff and he'd say things that I'd feel like yeah. were really kind of cutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. naive like looks at the world. And I think like yeah. looking through the world from a kind of child's perspective can sometimes be like a really lovely thing to do. And I think there is stuff on the Shags album. I can see how people would look at that and go, this is a really nice way to experience music through the the un- untouched, unfiltered, beautiful naivety of the mind of a child. Like I can understand why people would say that. But at the same time, those creeping feelings that you are, are expressing, they, they, just, they, they just make it a really like quite a sad thing to listen to sometimes desperately sad yeah 
desperately sad you know look i listened to this record and i laughed out loud a lot and i don't mm. feel bad for doing that because it i didn't have funny. the context yeah. it is funny and i didn't have the context for the record at the time but like i don't now that i do know i'm not sure if i would be able to laugh at it now like i think it's i think it's really sick and wrong and um i think for that reason it should go quite high i would say i mean i was prepared because i was looking at stuff like theory of a dead man and the enemy and razor light and i was like this is cynical market like you know you are like they you sh- these girls in the shag should be above that because they never got touched or dirtied up by the music industry and they kind of didn't at that time but it's almost something a well, not even almost. It's something kind of worse than that, isn't it? Where it's come from. You're um, you're looking at a very different part of the top ten to what I am. I will say, <laughs> yeah, a well, very different top 10. part. Where are you looking? Uh, sorry, the top twenty. I am looking. Well, someone else who has um, uh, clearly has issues that probably shouldn't be laughed at. Although it is difficult not to when you listen to the record, Corey Feldman. Uh, Corey Feldman's currently at number seven. I actually think this certainly the music is worse on this album than it is on the Corey Feldman record um I mean I'm not I think it might even be worse than Little Zan I'm kind of that that's where I'm looking I'm looking at number six number seven maybe maybe even number five it's a little bit difficult to put it above Methods of Mayhem and True Symphonic Orchestra and Uncle Cracker and Br- I mean certainly difficult to put up above Broken Side yeah, I mean, um, I mean, there there would be an argument, really, like if you are just going on it musically, to put that on and just be like, well, if we're talking about sort of competence in music, it, it's number one, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, it, 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 if yes, yes, if yes. you're talking about purely musical competence it and is being able one, to write songs, and then then it is number one. But, but I'm trying. I'm trying to bear in mind other factors as well, which is why I'm sort of looking around the five, mm. six, seven. Yeah, I mean, I mark. absolutely wouldn't want to put this at number one. To be perfectly honest, I think no, that would no, be no, 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 no. I, I think that's, I think that's too cruel, frankly. Mm. Um, no, I no, I definitely agree. I do think number one is too cruel because there are people like Broken Side. I don't see anyone involved with broken side who should get a pass no. <laughs> not a single fucking solitary person or frankly. uncle cracker or true symphonic or uncle cracker or mother's yeah. of mayhem pop from yeah Snopdig. exactly um it's not duke was too stoned to realize what was going on yeah. to give him credit so um but but that's why i'm going around six seven eight that's the point where i'm like mm, yeah but round here is where where uh I mean, my feeling. I oh god, what would I rather little listen to, Lil Zan or this? Man, that's hard. That is really hard. Yeah, I feel like Little Zan. Again, Little Zan is a chancer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Little Zan is a fucking chancer, and he's doing something which loads of other people have done. He's a fucking. Someone nicked his camera, and he was like, "Oh well, I'll do. I'll be little. I'll try and be little people." <laughs> and yeah. it's sort yeah. of easy to just be like, Pff. "He shrugged that album out," and I yes. don't think yeah. he should get a pass for shrugging some album out while these people basically sweated for their own existence. 
yeah no and, fair, and then fair. he gets to go above them i don't think that's fair to be honest Corey but feldman i can see Corey feldman mm. yeah i mean i think i would oddly rather listen to again there's a there's a, there's a kind of purity about the Corey feldman album isn't there yeah 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 there, but but also i think with the Corey feldman thing like yes okay we are probably talking about someone who's not totally stable mentally when it comes to Corey feldman and I, you know, I, I don't mean that in a in a nasty way at all. But he did it off his own volition. So that is on him kind of thing. And that's why I think the Shags is worse than Corey Feldman. And so I would, I, I, and I think you've argued the little Zan thing really, really well. So I would say my personal feeling is it should go at number seven. Yeah, okay. I'm going to do that. I mean, I think there will be people who might be uh annoyed I, I i would i would love like people if they can like give us your your genuine arguments you know without being twats about it preferably um and like you know send send like if you think i'm totally totally wrong or if you think i'm being ott in terms of the abuse stuff or anything like that like i'd be curious to know but the more and more we've talked about it the more strongly i feel about it to be honest like this isn't something that should be seen as a joke really and no, I I, I definitely it, but, did you know. think. I mean, like I say, that bit in the Pitchfork review where they were like, you know, they basically said, "This is not this is not outsider art. This is, you know, this is that that is to kind of just belittle and ignore the abuse that they went through." I I would imagine they wanted nothing more but to fit in uh, mm. at that age, and and they were being forced to do this. And like, God, I mean, when you're a teenager everything is so fucking embarrassing like everything is embarrassing Mm. everything and like i cannot even i can see why being forced into this scenario would fucking scar you for life like it would me and and yeah sorry i just don't think that's very funny Mm. um i'd like to call it a kind of triumph against adversity that record but i'm I'm not sure. Uh, in what sense? Well, I know I would just like to. I would like to go, you know, now people respect them and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'd like to call that, but I'm not sure I really feel that. I don't think that's true. I mean, look, they got a uh, um, dot got an interview in um, Rolling Stone magazine uh, in 2016. And the, you know, I've not read it yet because you've asked me not to read anything. Mm. Um, like you've read it. Uh, you've read that one, haven't you? Yeah. Corey Grow from from the the brief I've sort of briefly skimmed it, and he looks as if he's relatively respectful to them and asks questions like, "Are you still are you befuddled by the success and stuff?" It doesn't it doesn't have the look or feel of a piece that is trying to ridicule them, but it's still doing it in a sort of this is a curio kind of way. Yeah, and and I don't I think that's okay. I don't I'm not I'm not having a go. I'm not chastising Rolling Stone here, but but they're not like i mean the 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 subtitle the the uh, subhead is beloved by rock stars scorned by internet trolls singer songwriter makes sense of obscure lp's lasting legacy Mm. um i suppose that's 
calling me an internet troll but um i don't i don't, I don't think i am being a troll i think i'm just looking at the actual scenario well and if going, you this they, is apparently okay. apparently the the sisters were very very unhappy with there's a 1999 30th anniversary um piece that the new yorker did on them and right. the journalist who goes out there she you know plays the album in the car when she goes to pick one of them up um uh i think helen uh, didn't want to be interviewed for the piece just completely didn't want to be interviewed for the piece at all had no interest in having anything to do with it whatsoever and when the piece came out you know she said stuff like oh dot turns up and her hair's all over the place and you know when you read interviews later on they go that new yorker piece they felt like even though they were going oh i love your music i love it she was still going like oh i love you you're such freaks it's brilliant like, See, exactly exactly which is just fucking sick like that stuff should like not be encouraged at all mm. you know and yeah I, like you know i didn't know that that piece was out there but i i'm i'm absolutely certain there's probably more pieces like that that are basically sort of sneering at them and laughing at them than there are um pieces that aren't and I think that is fucking sick and horrible. It's the sort of thing that someone from Shoreditch would do. And this is the thing. This is like this is like a Shoreditch thing, isn't it? This is like you get some fucking hipster going, "Oh yeah, the Shags. It's the best album I've ever heard." And it's just like, well, you're you're an absolutely vapid piece of shit who just wants to say something to get a rise out of people. And I certainly don't think that sort of thing should be encouraged at all. It's like, I mean, I was going to liken this record to Metal Machine music a little bit because I was like, people don't mm. really tend to understand it. But then I look at Metal Machine music and I go, well, Lou Reed knew exactly what he was doing. That's what he wanted to do. Exactly. He, 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 exactly. he succeeded in doing the thing that he wanted it to do. Exactly. This is inspired and influenced a lot of different music. You know, like they're called the, the godmothers of outsider art and stuff like that. But again, I don't, you know, that doesn't mean that that's what they wanted to do. It clearly isn't what they wanted to do, is it? They mm. were forced into it. But like I say, and, one of the most bizarre and um, kind of upsetting things uh, yeah. that we've ever... And, I, you know, I, I, I'm as this podcast has gone on, because I went in and I was like, into this, and I was like, we're going to, you know, we're going to fucking... I want to fight for the sort of integrity of the Shags as a band. And I think what I'm... I've kind of come round one and i was aware of like the kind of darkness in it and i was aware of that but i was like you know like i think these people should be treated with with respect and i think actually putting it where we put it has probably given it as much respect as like you say somebody who's just going oh my god i like it it's so fucking out of time and rubbish it's great i think you've posited those arguments very very well and i think you've put those arguments across very very well and i understand them more than i did you know 85 minutes ago but i just keep coming back to the fact that these people uh well i just said i've said it a million times already it's child abuse you know mm. and it's that's not something that should be sniggered at or laughed at or venerated in any way shape or form and i think this placing is very much um you know with the caveat that this is not aimed at the three women who were in, who were actually in the band if that makes sense it was you know it's it's almost due to everything else around it i think with with broken records we try to take it we try to take in everything we try to 
take in the entire context around the entire thing and i think if you do take in the entire context in and don't conveniently ignore little things here and there which aren't really little things at all then there's no other outcome you can have with this record apart from to think that it's absolutely fucking horrific mm. there you go shags philosophy of the world that is what we think i think we're gonna struggle to ever find anything which is as much of a what the fuck as that mm, because yeah. what the fuck um yeah. i have just picked an album out for next week should be a little bit easier someone else with troubles melodia by the vines remember the vines oh, i wanna get free God. i wanna get free i wanna well, that... get free <laughs> it's not that album either it's that's from their first album that will definitely be easier all right good thank you very much for listening to the show sorry there was no this week but you know it wasn't really appropriate i didn't it wasn't think really appropriate. <laughs> uh, all right good thanks for listening everyone and we'll be back next week chatting about the vines see you later